lift up your hands. Let's sing that song together. Consuming fire, sweet perfume. Consuming fire, sweet perfume. Your awesome in our midst today and we thank you for bringing us all together to partake in fellowship with each other and fellowship with your word Lord open our hearts to this word oh God and let it mix with understanding let it meet with understanding and mix with faith in our hearts let your word come forth clearly to us in the name of Jesus thank you almighty God in Jesus name we pray Praise the Lord. Please, before you take your seat, let's bring out our Bibles and take our Bible affirmation together. Say with me, this is my Bible. It is God's inerrant and unchanging word. This is my most valuable earthly possession. A lamb unto my feet. And a light unto my path. I hide his words in my heart that I might not sin against God. The Bible is God talking to me personally. I therefore, listen to it carefully and obey it fully. And I internalize it in my life by doing these four things know it in my head, by diligent study. Store it in my heart by memorization and meditation. Show it in my life by obeying his teachings and sow it in my world by being a witness hereafter. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In the name of Jesus, for his honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Please, you may be seated warmly and help me greet your neighbor. Your brother, sister in front of you, behind you, say you're welcome to church. And I'm glad you're in church today. I'm glad you're in church today. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. You're welcome to the second day of the five days of glory. Yesterday, we looked at soaring through vision. Today, like I told us, we're looking at soaring through the practice of spiritual disciplines. The practice of spiritual disciplines. And I'll be glad if you turn with me your Bibles as we read together. The first scripture we're reading is from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The emphasis is be strong in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If we're going to be strong in that grace that is in Christ Jesus, the Bible must have a way for us to get to experience that strength. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8. I am going to read from the Living Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8. I'm reading from the Living Bible. It says, Bodily exercise is all right. But spiritual exercise is much more important. And is a tonic for all you do. So, exercise yourself spiritually. Practice being a better Christian because that will help you not only now in this life, but in the next life also. Listen to how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, physical training is good, but training in godliness is much better. Training in godliness. It means that we can train physically and we'll be strong. It also means that we can train spiritually and the same results we'll get, spiritual strength. Physical training results in physical strength. Spiritual training, on the other hand, results in spiritual strength. And we're told in Ephesians 6.10, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Be strong in the Lord, or be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the last scripture I will read as our text today is 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Again, I'm going to read from the New Living, Trans- from the, uh, Living Bible, and then I'll read the New Living Translation also. It says, but grow in spiritual strength. It means that spiritual strength can be increased. It means we can become stronger than whatever we have been at any time at all. It agrees with Ephesians 6.10 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He says, but grow in spiritual strength 
and become better acquainted with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When I grow, I get to know things better. Jesus looked at the apostles at that time and a few of the disciples that were following him. He said, I have many things to tell you, but I can't tell you now. Because they did not, they did not have the capacity to be able to receive and walk with that message. The writer of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 5, Hebrews 6, he said, you need to be teachers now, but you are still waiting to be taught the elementary principles of the doctrines of Christ. Meaning that the more I get stronger in the spirit, the more things can open up for me in the spiritual realm. It therefore means that or implies that it's extremely important for me as a child of God to prioritize my spiritual growth and my spiritual strength. Continuing reading 2 Timothy chapter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It says, To him be all the glory and splendor, honor both now and forevermore. Somehow, my growth affects my worship. My spiritual growth affects the depths of my worship. If the depths of my worship are affected, it means the results that I get from worship are also affected. And the funny thing about worship is that a man becomes, please put that scripture there in the Living Translation, a man becomes what he worships. After a time, you will just begin to look like whatever it is that you are worshiping that is important to you. So at times when you, want to, when you look at your life and you want to see what is it that is so key about me, your life will reflect what is important to you. Hear the scripture. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, the New Living Translation. It says, rather, you must grow in grace. Meaning that there is an option. There is an option. If you read that scripture, you will see the other options. Talking, investing in things that are carnal. Things that will not contribute to spiritual growth in any way. It says, rather, you must, is a must, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. Now, the word I want us to give close attention to is the word strong. Strong. Be strong. Be strong. Exercise yourself spiritually in order for you to be strong. Grow in grace so that you'll be strong. It simply means that God is interested in you and I being strong. Not weakly Christians. Not Christians that are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. The word that is translated strong there, in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1, and all the other derivatives in that scripture we looked at, is the same word, one word. The Greek word is endumo, endunamo. It means to be increasing in or with strength. You are increasing. You are increasing. You are in, can we have Jude chapter, of course, Jude has one chapter, verse 20 on screen, please. Give it to me in the Amplified Classic Bible. You will see how God values our strength. Is somebody listening to me, please? Okay. He says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up. Build yourselves up. 
It is my responsibility to build myself. It is my responsibility to grow in strength. It is my responsibility to begin to increase in strength and with strength. That is what the Bible calls might in spirit man. Sometime ago, I told us, begin to pray the Pauline prayers. And in the course of our, uh, our, 24, our 21 days prayer and fasting, we are going to pray those prayers a lot. He says, and your most, and on your most, founded on your most holy faith, make progress, make progress, make progress. How do you make progress? You rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Ghost. A building is started. Maybe there's already another building beside it that is about four or five story building. And all of us are maybe with a penthouse. And some of us who are on the penthouse, looking at what they are doing, excavating the floor, trying to open the, the, the ground so that they can lay the foundation. You see the depth they dig into. You begin to wonder, what are these people doing here? They must be building. Then they laid the foundation. Then they began going up. Maybe the first one month, they are on the first floor or second floor, third floor. You are still looking from high, looking down. But every day in every way, that new building is making progress. It's rising higher and higher. The progress may not even be evident because it's not every time they will add block to block. Sometimes they need to take care of some internal things ready for what is coming because they have a drawing. And as the building begins to go, three months down the line, you look at it. It's already on the fourth floor. You are, non, you are no longer looking at it like this. You are looking at it like this. Every day progress is coming because of constancy. Constancy of labor. Constancy of work. That is how you build strength as a child of God. Constancy. You know what you want. You know, yesterday we talked about the power of vision in enabling strength to be amplified. As you begin to work on it, work on it, work on it, work on it. If you have vision, along with the strength you are building, it amplifies your opportunities. That building that two months ago or three months ago were looking like this, suddenly it gets to the fifth floor. We say, what are these people building? Maybe somebody will run and go and check the, uh, the notice of what they are doing. You suddenly discover in the next one month, it has gone to the fifth floor. Now we are now looking at it straight. We are looking at it straight. Everybody, nobody is now looking down on it. We are looking at it at the same eye level that we are in. Before we know it, seventh floor, eighth floor, tenth floor. We are no longer looking at it like this or straight. We are now looking at it like this. What has made the difference? Constancy of labor. Because of the vision they have. That is how to soar. Apostle Paul exhorted his son Timothy. He said, give yourself to this. First Timothy chapter 4. He says, meditate on it. Let your profiting appear unto all. As you stay. As you stay. As you stay. Initially, you were a seedling. But suddenly, you begin to take in the things that are required. On a constant basis. On a daily basis, it's not haphazard. You know what you want to do. And you go for it because you have prioritized strength in the spirit. You have your routines that you follow. Just like the builders have the routines they are following. You have your routines. 
And as you begin to follow the routines, you begin to see the difference. Suddenly, everybody around begins to notice your progress. That is how to make progress in the spirit. It doesn't come overnight. It is precept upon precept, line upon line. Praise the Lord. And so, I asked myself a question. Where in the scripture can I see an example of this kind of thing? And the Holy Ghost took my mind to Acts chapter 2. We won't be able to read it because it's a long read. From verse 37, then I jumped to 41 through to 47. And also the book of Acts also 13, 1 to 2. The first is the Acts of Apostles chapter 2. When the church started, when the new believers came into the church, the first 3,000, they were Judeans. They were not Christians. They were not born again. They were practicing Judaism, most of them. And now they are coming in. Then something began to happen on a daily basis. The first thing in verse 37 that we see there is that the believers, the young believers there, were exposed to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They had the word of God. They were yielded to the convicting power of the Spirit. And so, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life is essential, is extremely important for you to begin to experience spiritual progress. And it is the first step in the spiritual disciplines. If you look at verse 42, the next thing they did was that they constantly received and practiced balanced teaching. You see, the apostles, the Bible says they continued in the apostles' doctrine in verse 42. The apostles were teaching them balanced things. And the people were open to it. They received it and they became doers of it. They were practicing the things that they were being taught. Revelation chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed is he that reads. Blessed is he that hears. And blessed is he that does. Beloved of God, they heard. They were open. They were not running away from fellowship. You will see later in that place, in that scripture, Acts chapter 2, they were meeting in homes, their TFCCs, their house fellowships, and they were meeting publicly to gather together. And they were being constantly exposed to the teaching of the word of God. And so, the second thing that you must note in the spiritual discipline that you must have, this year, make up your mind. You are going to expose yourself to the teaching of the word of God in this house. You are going to expose yourself to hearing and learning and learning. Yesterday, in the, I was reading my Bible. I came across a scripture that really taught me in the message Bible. Proverbs chapter 18, I think verse 15. If you can just flash it, let's see. Proverbs 18 verse 15. I want you to see something there quickly. Proverbs 18. Give me in the message Bible. The message Bible. The message Bible says, wise men and women are what? Always what? Learning. And always listening for what? For fresh insight. That is how they make progress every day. What got you to where you are now cannot sustain you. If you stay there for too long, you begin to retrogress. What got you to move forward is the new things that you are receiving inside. It says, wise men and women, they are what? Always learning. You want to make progress this year. You want to soar this year. 
One of the things that must be constant in your life is that 2022, make up your mind, I will be a constant learner. Don't say I know it. Is it not this scripture? Is it not that? I know it. I have heard it before. You have heard it before. How has it profited you? So, the believers were constantly exposed to proper teaching, balanced teaching, correct teaching. They received it and they went out and began to act it. Praise the Lord. From verse 42 and 43 also, they recognized the importance of being in fellowship. They recognized the importance of being in fellowship. We're talking about swearing through spiritual disciplines. And these things I'm mentioning, they are spiritual disciplines. He said, as they continued steadfastly, it is not I come to church today, or tomorrow I am not, I don't feel like coming, and so I don't come. No, 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 no. You are robbing yourself. You are, dis- you, are, you, are, you, are, you are removing the building blocks. You want to build a, put up a structure. Today you put two blocks. Tomorrow you come and remove one. How is that building going to make progress? The Bible says, and they continue steadfastly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in breaking of bread, and, uh, uh, sorry, and fellowship. 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 Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Fellowship with each other. Fellowship with each other. Fellowship with each other. In the public garden like this, in the house fellowship, make up your mind this year. This year is my year of learning. This year is my year of making exploits. This year, I'll be open to fresh insight from the word of God and from God, the teaching of the word of God. This year, I will not miss any Sunday service. This year, I will not miss any midweek service where the word of God will be taught. I will not miss any prayer service. This year, I will not miss any house fellowship service. This year, I will not miss my unit meeting, my activity group meeting. This year is my year of learning. Because to make progress, it is not a one-off thing. It's a constancy. Praise the Lord. The next thing we saw there is that they were very involved in the practice of the sacraments. If you look at verse 41 and verse 42, you will see it there. What sacraments were they involved? What are sacraments? If you check the dictionary, dictionaries, the most dictionaries I consulted says sacraments are spiritual practices for the release of grace. Even the unbelieving writer of the, uh, of, of the dictionary knows that it is for the release of grace. One of the dictionaries I looked at struck me, the American Heritage Dictionary. He said they are religious practices for the release of grace. The Bible says be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. How can you be strong when you run away from Holy Communion? Some of us seated here, you got born again. You have not been water baptized. Those are the sacraments they were doing that is listed there. Never miss a Holy Communion service again. Because whether you feel it or not, beloved of God, graces are released. Those were the things that made this world stand out. They were the things that made them shine. The Bible says even when they got to their small fellowships, their home fellowships, they were breaking bread. They were breaking bread together. Meaning that they understood the power that was in the Holy Communion. The Holy Communion is powerful for healing. It's powerful for keeping, for securing. It's powerful for ensuring a glorious future for you. These are things I practice. Just I don't have the time to begin to share a few of the testimonies with us. 
Beloved of God, hear me and hear me well. Sacraments are very important. If you are here, you, have, you are born again, you are a child of God, you have not had water baptism. Are you with me? Pastor, who is in charge? Pastor Latunde or Pastor, you know, Lord, Pastor Lord, can you stand? Come out so that they will see you. You are a born again child of God. You have not had water baptism. You know, water baptism is very, very important. In the Bible, come out, let them see you. In the Bible, there are three baptisms not talk, talked about in the New Testament that a New Testament believer should have. The first baptism is you being baptized into Christ when you got born again. The next baptism, anyone can come second or third, is a baptism of, uh, uh, and you see, when you are baptized into Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that does it. Then the next baptism is your baptism with the Holy Spirit with an initial evidence of speaking in tongues. It is the Lord Jesus himself that does that. Even though one of his servants, one of his uh, uh, called ones may be there to minister to you, it is actually the Lord Jesus that is doing it through that person. The third baptism is water baptism. Water baptism, God has asked, given it to men. He's chosen ones that he has picked that go and do this. And they stand and they do it. Like him, for example. He's a pastor. He's been ordained. He has the credentials. And he stands able to conduct water baptism at any time for any Bible, any child of God. What is the importance of the water baptism? Water baptism is to show one, that you belong to Christ. Two, that you are an obedient child of God. Three, that you submit to the authority that God himself has put. Authority of men that God has put in his church. It's an outward expression of an inward work of grace. And that is why it's extremely important. Water baptism on his own is done once and for all. As a born again Christian, you can go and sit down, sir. So see him immediately after. See him immediately after. I have not been water baptized. There's an aspect of grace that you should be enjoying that is missing in your life. You need to go and get water baptized. Praise the Lord somebody. Amen. So, they were very regular with the practice of the sacrament. Don't wait until, like for example, from this year now, every last Sunday of the month, if there are five Sundays in the month, is on the fifth Sunday at 5.45 p.m. we gather here. And when we come, from 5.45 to 6 p.m., we are praying in the spirit, praying in tongues. Then, we move to the next aspect of the service. And then, the word is shared. And then, prayers are made again. And then, we break the bread and share and go. Graces are released. It renews body. It renews your things around you. It's a very solid way to forgive. To, to fulfill or to secure the future. is a very solid way to ensure your health. Uh, uh, the Holy Communion is one of the powerful things that is made available to us. Remember Exodus 12, 12. When the night of the Passover took place, when they shared what is today, what we call communion, that night God judged the gods of Egypt. Why didn't he judge you before then? He didn't. But when the blood came into play and the flesh of the animal was broken, judgment was released. Beloved of God, what graces are you forfeiting? Simply because you have refused to honor what God says you should honor. Praise the Lord. In that same verse 42, you will see that they were very much involved in prayers. Prayers. 
private prayers, corporate prayers, prayers in the large gathering, prayers in the small gatherings. Verse 42 there. Look at it, you will see. They were involved in prayers. They're breaking of bread and in prayers. We called on the first for us to come and pray. Thank God for those of us that came. Praise God for them. From Saturday now, we're going to start our 21 days prayer and fasting. Don't miss it. It's an advantage for you to settle things. It's an advantage that God has given you for you to secure certain things for your life. It's an advantage for you to secure grace. Do you know what the Bible says? When we gather together like this in the name of the Lord, part of the things that is done, you don't feel anything, you don't feel any good pimples. The blood of Jesus is flowing among us even now. The glory of God is even in this place. And beloved of God, as the blood of Jesus flows, there are certain things you have done that you may never know they are wrong. The blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Beloved of God, don't miss the gathering of God's people. Plan to take part in the 21-day fasting and prayer. Plan not to miss any. After with the 21-day fasting and prayer, on the last three days of that fasting and prayer, on the 25th, from 9 p.m., because we have, at that time we have 72 hours to go, we are going to do what we call a 72-hour praying straight. And we are going to be praying in tongues like we prayed on the first. Every hour, every minute in this place. You will get the details later. Beloved of God, there are certain things that have refused to move. This year, they must move. Not just in our lives, but in this church, in the name of Jesus. And so, private prayers and corporate prayers, they were involved. The next thing we see there is that the manifestation of the Spirit was very evident in their lives. If you combine the word and your fellowship with the Holy Spirit, you will see the gift of the Spirit beginning to operate in our lives. You will see the directions of the Spirit. You know, like yesterday I was talking about the eagle with the two eyes. The eagle can see. There are two eyes the eagle has. He can use his eye to see something else and use his eye to see something else. All of us, we have been gifted with that same ability. You have your physical eyes to see and you have your spiritual eyes to also see. In life, you, in, as you fellowship with the Spirit, certain things should not just come to you like that suddenly. As if you, you, you wouldn't know. It shouldn't just surprise you. But you can begin to build the strength. Praise the Lord. The next thing you see there is that they walked in love. Verse 44. These are spiritual disciplines that we must imbibe in our lives. These are spiritual disciplines that must be working evidently in our lives. How did we know they walked in love? They spoke the truth to each other. They did not gossip on each other. They had their things in common. It was such that the people around them, eh, the people around them, they took notice of them. The Bible says fear fell on them. Fear fell on the people. Nobody behaved anyhow. Why? Because of their love work. Galatians 6.5 tells us, or 5.6 tells us that love or faith works by love. In this our year of great faith, if you are going to see the manifestation of the power of God in your life, it becomes extremely important that you prioritize your love work. This is not the time to keep malice with anybody. This is not the time to live on unforgiveness. This is not the time to go and gossip in the name of a prayer meeting. This is not the time to go and say things casually. Have you heard? 
Things you are not even sure. Things you begin to drop names, begin to drop stories about people. No, 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 no. It's going to subtract. It's going to affect the quantum of grace that you carry. Love releases grace. Walking in love is the only commandment that the New Testament believer has. Moses told us, you will love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus came and said, a new commandment have I given you. That you love one another, even as I have loved you. He became the standard of our love. The love walk. The love walk. The love walk. How do I know that I'm walking in love in my words and in my actions? And if this brother is so cantacross, so difficult that he's giving me so much problem and I have to love him, I must begin to ask myself, if I love this brother or brother so so and so that I love, how am I treating him? I speak well of him. Even though I have issue with this brother, I am commanded to walk in love. Therefore, I must begin to see his good side. I came across a story by God's servant, Kenny again. He said there was a man in a town. A town he grew up. The, town, the man was known to be very cantankerous. At times he would go and drink and he would attack people, wound people with machete and cause them to go to the hospital. It is said that he wounded so many people. And on one particular day, he was about to attack a particular man. They couldn't do anything to him because he had been in and out of jail. And oftentimes he claims insanity. But when he's doing it, his eyes is clear. You know it's a demonic problem. On this particular day, he accosted this woman and wanted to kill this woman. And somewhere, somebody called the police. And the police was around. The police came. The policeman told him, put down your machete, otherwise I am going to shoot you. The guy straight left the woman and went to, wanted to strike the policeman. The policeman shot him and he died. Everybody in town was shouting, ah, good radiance to bad rubbish. And they were saying all kinds of things. Then Kennedy again said, he had opportunity to be in town around then. And there was an old Christian that he went to visit in his shop where his business was. And they began to talk. And the story got to the story of the man that was shot yesterday. And everybody that he has had were speaking evil of that man. But this man, when he wanted to describe the man, he said, ah... And the man had a good smile. Oh. He always smiles well. He said he was shocked. How can you? Everybody is saying this. You are saying that he always smiles well. The man said, I have made a covenant with God that I will not say evil about anybody from my mouth. And the Bible says, if you love, if you want length of days, watch what? What you say with your mouth. And so it was a lesson to God's servant. Beloved of God, no matter how you feel, you can control it. And so this suspicion should go. This gossiping should go. Stories you are not even sure. You had this one said, this one said, this one said it. You have not even, like uh, Dr. Luke said, investigated diligently and be sure that this is so. You are the one doing the cheap broadcasting. The first person that wants to publish it. Fast finger, they call it, on the social media. Beloved of God, you are subtracting grace from your life. When you sit down with somebody and begin to rain down somebody else, just know, if you had 10 points of grace before you started, by the time you finish, I don't know, but it has definitely dropped. I don't know how many it would have dropped to. Praise the Lord. So they had a love walk. 
The second, the next thing there is in verse 45. They lived a life of spirit inspired sacrifices. Nobody was begging them to give to the church. They gave to the church. Not only did they give to the church, they took care of themselves. They knew people that were in need. The Bible says some of them sold their possessions. Some brought it to the apostles' feet. Others used it to minister to the needs of the people. These are spiritual disciplines that we must imbibe. Not to come to church. Thank God for the offering envelope. Since nobody knows what you put in there. You bring the envelope. They say lift it. You lift an empty envelope to God. Empty envelope. Some of us, when we are going, we, we even drop the envelope on the chair we sit, we sat on. Empty envelope. Do you know why it is empty? It is because from the beginning of the week, you did not bear God in your mind. Otherwise, if you had born God in your mind, then one of the first things you would do, according to 1 Corinthians 16.1, is to lay aside your offering. Take your tithes out. Stop this year. Make up your mind. I will never come to the house of God without an offering. Every Sunday, every Monday, I must begin to think about my offering. If there is nothing, ask God to bless you with it. This year, my offering must increase. This year, my, I will never, if you have ever come, say, well, God understands. God understands, but you are subtracting grace from your life. As a man sows, that's what he will reap. He says, if you to the flesh, so to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. Never this year. Never this year raise an empty envelope to God. Never this year give to God an offering that you know you are more than. Never. Don't do that. It's, a, some, it's something you put on your life. And beloved of God, as you begin it, the first three months might be tough. The second three months might be tough. But as you begin to do it, beloved of God, God himself intervenes in your finances. You find that you are not broke as you used to be. There is always something happening that will put money in your hands. So that on Sunday or at Tuesday or at the TFCC, you are not going to go empty-handed. Somebody comes to you that, brother, I have not eaten. You must have something to give simply because of the grace that is being made manifest. Beloved of God, you walk for grace. Let me put it that way. Somebody said, grace is unmerited favor. Did you see what the Bible says? Train yourself. Train yourself. Exert yourself. Train yourself. Train yourself. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. It is a training. Every training is a choice. Every training demands sacrifice. These people choose, they chose to live a life like that. No wonder God blessed them. No wonder the hands of God was heavy upon them. Praise the Lord. The next thing we saw there, I said there, they were available for service. Verse 45. Some of us have been here for three months, four months, five months. Go through the TFI. You have refused to go to, to the, through the TFI. Some of us have probably gone through the TFI. Your jobs refuse to work. You come to church, Shadran Shami. You are robbing yourself of grace. You are sitting down there. Somebody arranged that chair. You are sitting down there. Somebody swept the floor. You go to the toilet. You are crying. You are shouting. These people are this. They don't take care of the toilet. Why don't you volunteer to go and take care of the toilet and see what God will do for your life? We need so much workers here. We need so much people involved in this. Dearly beloved of God, you must make a choice and you must take a decision. 
If I am going to train myself, it's a decision. It means that the time I could have used for something else, I'm using it for training. If I'm going to train myself, it means that I will make a budget for resources. Beloved of God. Have you not thought of it? Could be the reason why that toilet is empty or, or is always like that is because there's nobody to take care of it. Why would you be here and we'll look for people to take care and we don't find it? When you can come for one service and decide to walk there in the next service. It doesn't mean whether you belong to that unit or not. In fact, for this special assignment, you don't have to belong to that unit. And some of us even go there. Because you have refused to take care of it, you go there and stand on it. God help you, it doesn't break on you. Are you following me? This, I remember many years ago, in the days of Ecomop, I had a friend, he had gone on his first tour of duty to Ecomop. He was a major in the army then. And that was shortly after Charles Taylor began to cut people's fingers, I mean people's hands. It was tough. Then they brought him back. He was at Ojo Cantonment. After about two months, they transferred him to 82 Div. Unfortunately for him, it was about time they needed some special people in 82 Div to go back to Liberia. And he was among those that had the skill to go back. He called me and said, Pastor, I don't want to go. Look, the things there, I know what is going to happen in that place. I don't want to go. But I cannot say I can't go. What do I do? I said, go and pray. He said, I've been praying. I've been praying for the last three weeks. My, my name is there. And I asked him a question. Suddenly it dawned on me. I asked him, you are in Enugu. Where do you worship? And he mentioned where he was worshiping. I said, next Sunday, go to church with your uniform. Your major uniform. Go and introduce yourself to the pastor. Tell the pastor, I am Major So-So and So of the Nigerian Army 82 Div. I have been worshiping in this church for the last uh, five or six weeks. I want to serve in the church. And sir, if you don't mind, I want to be serving as a toilet cleaner. He said when he went to the pastor and told the pastor that, initially the pastor was shocked. How can you, a major, want to do this? The pastor didn't know what he was running from. Are you with me? It was not important. He didn't tell the pastor any story. But he wanted a sharp intervention. Beloved of God, do you know, it was on the second week of his washing toilet. He washed the toilet and he said, man, pastor, those people can shit. Honestly, honestly. He said, those people can... Mm. Because it was a large church. But he said, he tell me, the, the second Sunday, he was careful in washing. As he poured the water to send away the sons of perdition, some of them came back and splashed on his dress. That day he wasn't wearing the uniform. He said, hmm, hmm. I said, what did you say? He said, hmm. I said, God saved you. If you had complained, or don't, hmm, condition make the fish bend, you would have gone to that place. But do you know, at the end of that two weeks, two weeks, he got to his commandant and said, how far? Because they were to be mobilized within another one week. He said, I don't know. I just got a signal that they, your name should be taken out. They said they want you to go to Jaws to go and deal with this one. So he was the only one that was singled out. And guess what? Most of his friends at that is level that went back to Ekomok did not return. 
God delivered him because he was given to service. And the kind of service, and I know that it was by the inspiration of the Spirit of God that that thing came to me to tell him, go as you are and go and tell the pastor, this is what I want to do. And he did it throughout until he went to Jaws. He was in Jaws on a special duty for three weeks, uh, three months. He came back to Enugu and continued in it until he was transferred back to Lagos. God saved him by service. These people were given to service. Service is a key ingredient for God's deliverance. Service is a key ingredient for God's blessing. Service makes you acceptable or makes, makes the blessing of God or multiplies the grace of God upon your life. Beloved of God, in that verse 47, sorry, in verse 46, again it was emphasized. If you see verse 46 of that Acts chapter 2, they were always, they ensured that they were gathering in church. Either in church or in their small groups, their TFCC. They ensured they were there. They ensured they were there. The Bible says there that and they continuing daily with one accord. Not only were they there, they were not divisive elements. They were not church or church elements. They were there in one accord. They ensured unity among them. What are you doing to unite people in this church? Or you are one of those that are telling stories that are neither here nor there. Things that if God will appear before you and ask you, did you, did you witness this thing? You will have nothing to say. Beloved of God, be careful. And so, in that, now, in verse 47, they were worshippers, worshippers. Can I have verse 47 on screen, please? It says, praising God. I'm sure their worship was not just when they gathered together. I'm sure their worship was even in their own privacy. When they meet in the homes, they were praising God. They were worshippers. Look, step up your worship. Get the choir message, get the choir songs as they stand to lead choruses. Go and get good CDs. If you don't know how to sing like me, get the CDs, play it and sing along. It is no longer an excuse because on your phone you can put it. On your device you can put it. It's not that I don't have what to play. I don't have a cassette player. No, no, no. You don't need a cassette player. Go to them there up or down. Tell them, please, can I have the song that we're doing the worship or a compilation of worship for the last three months in this church and learn as you play, sing along. When you sing, when you are worshiping, it is not time, unless you are driving, it's not time for you to be looking around. Close your eyes and worship. And so they were worshipers. Worship enhances grace. The ultimate of spiritual discipline is the multiplication of grace that leads to strength in your life. If you want to soar this year, it's extremely important that you must prioritize it. The next is that, in that same verse 47, can we have it there? They were constantly evangelizing because the Lord cannot add to the church unless somebody had gone to witness. They were evangelizing. Like I told us on Sunday, the Great Commission, in a year of great faith, it means that God has something he wants you to do. He wants us to make disciples. When you win a soul, stay with that soul. Get the details of the soul. Visit the soul. Invest in the soul. Bring him to the church. Bring him to the house fellowship. Put a face to the relationship. Don't give back to a child and walk away. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 3, 
that church, another aspect of the spiritual practice they did, spiritual discipline, was that they fasted a lot. They fasted often. They fasted together. Prayer and fasting is extremely important. Your fasting will not bribe God, but your fasting will open portals in your heart. Your fasting will cause your health to be renewed, physical and spiritual. In the course of fasting, the Spirit of God will convict you of certain things. And you come before God and confess unto God. Beloved of God, spiritual disciplines is a key way for you to soar in the Spirit. Bow your heads, talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. I don't know if you are here, you are not born again. Quickly. If you are not born again, I'd like to pray for you. Just pray this prayer with me. And at the end of the exercise, meet Pastor Konicha. If you are listening from home, I want you to pray this prayer and call the number under the screen. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I ask, Lord, that you forgive me my sins because he has paid the price. I, conf- I believe in my heart and I confess him as Lord of my life. Help me there, God. In the name of Jesus, I have prayed. Amen. May the Lord help you to seek to know God and to grow in order for grace to be multiplied in your life in Jesus' name. Let this year not be like last year. Let this year not be like the previous year. Let it be the best year so far that we have had. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Tomorrow we'll continue. Amen.